Hi, welcome to Hold the Light, a show for lifelong learners who are curious about the ways we can deepen our connection to our personal and spiritual growth. I'm Lori Gunning Grossman. I'm here to hold the light for the light holders of the world. So today is a show that I'm very excited about because I am talking with one of my spiritual teachers, Carissa Schumacher. Carissa is a world-renowned forensic psychic medium, an empathic intuitive, a sacred ceremony facilitator, and a full-body channel for Yeshua. So I first entered Carissa's world through the book, The Freedom Transmissions, which is a series of spiritual lessons and learnings by Yeshua, or Christ Consciousness, as channeled by Carissa. This is a book that once you pick it up, you'll want to read it and listen to the audiobook at least a couple times. I still open the book almost daily to a random page just to see what's meant for me that day. And it's surprising how many times it feels like I'm reading something for the first time or it's exactly what I need to hear in that moment. And I've heard others say the same. This book, it's full of wisdom, lessons, and learnings. It offers a pathway to peace and encourages us to live a life based in co-creation, transparency, and compassion. It's choosing faith over fear. It's embracing the void and the light. It's about love. I've attended two of Carissa's Sacred Spirit Illumination Journeys, where we come together in person, one in March 2023 and the other this past September. On these journeys, we learn how to move more deeply into spirit, including the spirit within ourselves. I've witnessed Carissa channel Yeshua in person, and there is a palpable shift of energy in the room when she channels. It is quite something. I am so thrilled to have Carissa on this podcast. As you'll hear in our conversation, the name of this show, Hold the Light, was born from my reading, The Freedom Transmissions. So this has deep meaning for me. Through Carissa's work in this community, my life has shifted and expanded in beautiful ways. Carissa is a facilitator who is willing to walk the walk. What I've learned from being around her is that although she has this incredible gift as a channel, and it does seem otherworldly, she embraces her human self and shares that with us. There's a lot of laughter and joy in her presence, and in Yeshua's presence, too. So while this episode is longer than usual, I recommend... You stick with this until the end. I mean, of course I do. There's so much goodness shared here. I know that many of you listening are cautiously curious about the Freedom Transmissions and Carissa's work. So keep an open mind and an open heart. This work is universal. Honestly, there's something for everyone. Here in this conversation, we talk about what it means to hold the light. Carissa offers context and definition to Yeshua, as well as the vertical and the horizontal. She shares how people can create a daily structure to help them connect or stay connected to their spiritual selves. And we cover so much more. There's great wisdom in this conversation. While Carissa and I were chatting quite a bit off mic before we started, here we jump right into it. Please welcome Carissa Schumacher. I just want to touch upon the name of this podcast, Hold the Light, which I've written about this, and you know this. The phrase, Hold the Light, came from your book, The Freedom Transmissions. And it was one of those things where when I read it, it just struck me. I mean, the whole book is chock full of incredible words and, and wisdoms and activations. 
it was something about hold the light that is just so beautiful and had my body humming. And that's the reason why we have this podcast that you and I are talking on right now called Hold the Light because I saw those words. I said, that's it. I'm I'm making something around this. Specifically, what Yeshua was offering inherent to his wisdom on holding the light that actually came, that was not part of the original uh, freedom transmissions. Mm. So the original, there were certain things in the freedom transmissions that he added in. And this will be true for the other books as well. So for the grace transmissions, there may be the inclusion of the abundance transmissions that you came to in March, but he goes a, a bit of a step further. Okay. So when he spoke about this, it was specifically from a transmission that he had done uh, prior. So in June of 2020. And what he was speaking about is, of course, this, this difference that I want to mark for maybe some of your listeners that may be new, the distinction between what he refers to as the vertical and the horizontal. Yes. And the vertical so if, if you look at a cross or even a medicine wheel, there is that vertical beam or that vertical bar that is representational of spirit. Your vertical self is your being. It is your consciousness. It is your presence. It is where your intuition resides, your intuition being your inspiration and your discernment. The vertical is really that, that part of our spell, self that is spirit and habitating form. Mm. And then there is the horizontal. The horizontal is our human lives, our ego, our identity constructs, our, our culture, um, the societal norms that are placed within that. The horizontal is basically our seen lives, our day-to-day -day lives, and it is very much the realm of the doing, mm. doing, doing, doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and there are people in, in on this planet, many of them actually, and this is totally fine, that are exclusively horizontal. Right. Operating more from fear, control, ego, you know, my life, my stuff. Um, it's more about belief systems, ideologies, dogma, there's a lot more blame. There's just more, um, I would say, a higher amplification of the ego and the me and the myself within the horizontal if there's not that connection to the vertical. Very often when someone is experiencing or about to experience an awakening of their consciousness, there will be some sort of a disruption mm. to their horizontal mm. lives. This can be, and, and it's a huge fallacy that this, that this just has to be suffering, meaning they have a near-death experience or they go through a health problem or a divorce or a betrayal or a job loss that absolutely just it brings them into such despair, such a disruption of their concept of what reality is or should be that they go into the void. And some people stay in the void, but it's through that process of experiencing some form of a loss or some sort 
of a disruption to their ego or concept of identity that all of a sudden they start reaching for the light. The darkness, the suffering is so deep that all of a sudden they awaken Mm. to the vertical. Mm -hmm. It is a huge fallacy, however, that it needs to be something quote unquote bad that happens in someone's horizontal life. Because as I've seen many, many times before, and this is part of my service, it doesn't just have to be suffering. The path to awakening and evolution of one's consciousness can also be through joy. Meaning that there is a miraculous, you have a dream, a precognizant dream that winds up happening. You dream about a friend becoming sick and you call them and all, all of a sudden you find out that they had a family member that just passed and, or it can be meeting someone or maybe the curiosity to go to a spiritual retreat or to start a new practice. So it, it can be, it can sometimes and very often a spiritual awakening can be catalyzed by some sort of loss or suffering, but it doesn't need to be that way. So I always say that, you know, it's it's kind of the path of least resistance is best. And if you honor, even if you don't believe in certain things or you're on the fence about spirit or consciousness or mediums or intuition, if you even have a modicum of that curiosity, don't dismiss it. Don't judge it. Don't allow others in your life to Debbie Downer you. Explore it a little bit because that means that there is something that is blossoming within you. Your spirit knows that it is time Yes, for you to start moving into your own emergence of the vertical and of spirit. And so through this process, I'm mentioning this because in this specific transmission, Yeshua said that we need to be somewhat discerning about overuse of the word light worker. Right. We hear this a lot in certain kind of, I would say, quote unquote, new age circles or even certain religions. It's, it's very present in this concept of I'm, I'm a light worker. Right. I am working with light. And that what that really leaves out is the shadow. Mm. And that can be very dangerous because... There can be a lot of ego inherent to, I am a light worker and you are in shadow. And so there are hierarchies that can be created. And of course, the divine is not, is, is the balance between the shadow and the light. And it is important that we not try to eradicate the shadow, but that we integrate it, grow it. Because as human beings, we are not just men to be all vertical, all in the space of spirit. If that was the case, we wouldn't be here. We we would be in the space of spirit. And we're not just supposed to be all horizontal. And so Yeshua reminds us that the word resurrection means restoration to our origin. Hmm. The word origin means a point of intersection. Many people think that the word origin means the beginning. That is not the word etymology for origin. Origin means that intersection between your being, your vertical, and the horizontal. And that ultimately is what it means to be present. And instead of trying to do things with the light, working with the light, more doing, 
he recommends that we hold the light. Because if you can't hold the light within your being, how are you ever going to serve through it or be able to do anything at all? First, you need to be the light, hold the light, and then the revelation on what it is that you need to do or create will become apparent. It's so So he said these words, hold the light to, it wasn't to disrupt certain um, narratives surrounding light work, whatever else. It was more, he was, it, it was very compassionate that he gave us this because it takes the pressure off. Yeah. Instead of trying to figure out what to do with it and what to create and how to do a business and how many people am I helping and that I'm not helping enough people. He's like, let's start with the basics. Master simplicity, stability, surrender, stillness, hold the light, learn to harness the light, integrate more of your shadow into that light. And then the revelation on what it is that you need to do or where it is that you need to go will come. Oh my God, it is so beautiful. Can I can I read to you from, from your book where it first showed up for me, the phrase, hold the light? Sure. I it's in that. the chapter, I am Yeshua. I'll just read a little piece of it. It says, oneness cannot be created on the outside until it is created internally within each vessel, each person. Many of you have already begun on this path, or else you have not found your way to the wisdom and energy that is offered to you through these transmissions. You are not a light worker. You are a light holder or a light anchor. Through your movement to deeper balance and peace, you hold the light, inspire, and liberate others to move deeper into their own. That is the service of your Yeshua self. And I have a star right next to this, and I underlined it, and and there's something about it, Carissa, and Yeshua, that is so, I'm not even sure how to explain it. Like, it just, it really hits to the core, the beauty of it, and the simplicity of it. This reminds me very much of when he speaks about the covenant that we have as children of God, this connection point where we're not just horizontal beings, but where there is this connection to the vertical that we are here to ultimately anchor on earth. And that 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 is our purpose. The doing, that's all extra. That's icing on the cake. But when I hear these words, it reminds me so much of even the stresses that people, women and men, and even children are experiencing within our world nowadays, where the focus on how to be successful, how to be happy is about the doing, the working. But really what Yeshua is reminding us here is that many people can spend their whole lives creating all the icing, serving people, doing things, building companies, all the whole thing. 
And then they come to the moment on their deathbed when they realize that they have all this icing, all of this stuff, all sorts of money, all sorts of power, but they have no cake to put it on. Mm. They have not come to know themselves. And so Yeshua is not saying that the icing isn't great and that the light working isn't great. But what he's saying is that the cake is the most important thing. And the cake is the, the, the growth, the expansion of that consciousness within each and every individual. Because if there are not people on this earth that are holding that light, and striving every day to create just a little bit more room, a little bit more room for their divinity, for their spirit, and trust, and harmony on the good days and the bad days. If there is no one to hold that cord of the covenant of light on this earth, well, then the, the earth is just plunged into darkness. Right. Now, I do want to just talk a little bit for anyone who is tuning into this podcast and is unfamiliar with, say, the Freedom Transmissions and Yeshua. And I, w I do want to talk a little bit about Yeshua. We're not going to go into your background because I think that if people want to know your full background, they can read the Freedom Transmissions and they can learn about you. But I do want to say really quickly that you are essentially an intuitive guide. You're a psychic medium, which you have been for your entire life, and you are also a full-body channel for Yeshua. So we've already been talking about Yeshua, and we have talked a little bit about how you are a channel for Yeshua. Can you just, in your own words, explain who Yeshua is for you? Sure. So for any um, potentially Jews <laughs> that are listening, the pronunciation in Hebrew and Aramaic is Yeshua. But he says that Yeshua is fine as well, just because it's a little bit easier to say. And it's so that can be used interchangeably. But ultimately, Yeshua is the essence of the universal Christ. I like to, my experience of Yeshua's presence, and there are many different avatars that have many different essences, but Yeshua's specific essence is peace. Yeshua is peace. He is the emanation of peace. He is the comforter. Many people throughout history and certainly within the journey community and elsewhere, when they've experienced Yeshua's presence, be it in a dream, be it in a vision, there is this overwhelming peace in this sense of feeling completely seen, completely unconditionally loved, no matter how much shadow, no matter how much light, his presence and energy brings about this feeling. And not just a feeling, it's so much more than that, but it brings about this knowing, this wisdom that everything is going to be all right. And when I say the words, he's the essence of universal Christ, please note that I am not saying Jesus. <laughs> Jesus was not his name. 
Jesus came from some of the Greek uh, translations in, in Greek. Jesus is basically the translation of Yeshua. <clears throat> and one of, when he first came to me, I asked him, what am I, what am I to call you? Am I to call you Jesus? And he said, no, that was not my name. <laughs> and so it was, that was a learning lesson for me because of course I did not grow up in a staunchly Christian household. I was able to explore many different religions at the time. I'm very grateful to my parents for giving me the space to be able to explore that but he was very clear from the beginning and in, in the distinction that he is the essence of the universal Christ. Because in his life, in his one human life as Jesus or Yeshua, through his death, through his experience of the death, the Friday, his transformation and transfiguration in the tomb, when he died and was placed in the tomb, and the tomb was reconfigured, and he was birthed out of the tomb from the space of the womb, he did not emerge as a physical man anymore. He emerged through the presence of the universal Christ. So his emergence after the crucifixion, the resurrection, was the emergence of the universal Christ essence. Richard Rohr has a wonderful book, that he wrote about this. Richard Rohr is, he's a Franciscan monk or a, a Franciscan priest. And he wrote a wonderful book called The Universal Christ. Very often prior to giving someone a copy of the Freedom Transmissions, I will give them a copy of The Universal Christ oh, first yeah. because it helps people to understand the difference between Jesus the man versus the essence of the universal Christ. And even in the Bible, there are certain distinctions between this, meaning that the first three gospels by Matthew, Luke, and Mark, they refer, they focus a lot more on Jesus, the man, or Yeshua, the man. This is what he said in his life, what he did in his life. But when we come to the gospel of John, all of a sudden, John, the apostle or disciple John, starts referring more to Yeshua as the Christ mm. or the Word or the Comforter. So even biblically, there was an understanding of the progression from the man into the Spirit. And ultimately within his life, and this is, this is what makes Yeshua distinct from almost any other divine being of 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 higher consciousness that has lived on this earth. Everything that he did was through peace. Mm -hmm. There was no, even some of the other prophets, David, um, you know, Moses, even to a certain extent, but there was everything that Yeshua did was through peace. And not only that, he also, <clears throat> He also gave us proof. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he didn't just talk about the afterlife. He basically, he went first to show us that the path was real. He talks about this in the freedom transmissions. He walked through the Friday, the death, the Saturday, the tomb, 
that then becomes the womb that we're birthed from into the Sunday, into the resurrection. He gave us proof with many people having witnessed his spirit essence in the aftermath of his death and crucifixion, even people that weren't Jewish at the time that saw him in the aftermath of the crucifixion. He gave us proof that we are not just ash. We are not just dust. We are not just clay. Mm -hmm. That there is a spirit that permeates us. There is a spirit and a sovereignty inherent to every individual. Every life is of God. It is special and worthy of redemption, of forgiveness, and of love. So he didn't just talk about these things. He actually did it. He walked the talk through what he experienced throughout his passion. He is not the only way, but he created a pathway for us to be able to trust that even when our minds, our eyes tell us to look at the scene, that it is the unseen, that is the true magic and beauty of our spirit, of our God self. And so when I say that Yeshua is peace, he is not just the essence of divine feminine love, creation, destruction, and he's not just more of the divine masculine truth and concrete. He is the marriage, the blending between love and truth so that there is simplicity, so that there is that point of connection where we are living from the intersection, our origin of the vertical and the horizontal. Oh, my gosh. So, so much goodness in what you've just said. And, you know, I wish upon everyone to, if they're open to it, to to read the freedom transmissions to be exposed to this because as you said it is peace and tapping into the stillness of our lives of stability surrender um, simplicity it's there for all of us and it's also one of the reasons why I've loved going on these journeys because we get immersed in this and we get to experience Yeshua through you, which is unlike anything I've ever experienced in my life. And it is truly profound. And it's also, um, it's exciting. And Yeshua can be funny. And it's deep, <laughs> right? I mean, sometimes we look, my, my journey sisters and I look at each other and go, oh my God, what, what did Yeshua just say? And we get such delight from it. You know, coming away from a journey, I think that people... Well, I'm sure everybody has their own experience. You know, I know some people come come from it with that like light-filled, joyful high, or some come with that feeling of a deepening and a shift. And, you know, transformation is is in the air. And I know that one thing that people are curious about, as I've talked to people in this community, and, and not just coming from a journey, but maybe from reading the Freedom Transmissions or just doing a person's doing one's own daily practice of tapping into the divine and tapping into the vertical. 
the question that I know a lot of people wonder about is how can we cultivate and weave that light into our day-to-day life? And and this is something you and I had talked about also, like how can people create a daily structure most conducive to opening their channel so they can stay connected to the vertical and the unseen? How do we do this? Yes. Okay. <laughs> that is that is a wonderful question. It's also a bit of a loaded question. Mm. So I am going to I can share my experience, but I want to m- maybe give the disclaimer that again it's up to each individual to create the structure that works for right. them. Right. Okay. Because what I want to avoid here is people maybe comparing themselves to Carissa, right. mm-hmm. <laughs> who has been a forensic psychic medium since the day that she was born, who has a life structure that has been completely designed in in a very divine way for this. It was created for me anytime that I have tried to deviate from my path of service spirit explodes, whatever distraction I'm or detour I'm going on very, very Mm -hmm. so for me, just because the, the vertical is kind of my job within this life. I I don't, that's true for every person that allows it to be, but I do, I am actively working on missing persons cases, connecting with people that have lost loved ones, working with people in sessions every single day, holding the energy for journeys. And so I have to be a bit more, I would say almost militant, Mm in terms of my discipline to be able to maintain a clear channel. So with that being said, there are a couple of things that I do feel would be helpful would would be helpful. Okay. For to share with some of your listeners. Yeah. So this is just um you can take what serves you and leave the rest behind. Okay. I would assume that many that are listening either are already very intuitive or empathic beings, but those that are not, if they are still with us right now, <laughs> if you're still here right now, there is a curiosity or a foundation of something that is rooted within you. This word channel gets thrown around a lot. Ch- a, a channel is very much like a muscle, meaning that some people some people are just naturally born born with more attunement to the vertical than other people. Every single person, when you start quieting your mind, whether it's a meditation practice, every time that you go into meditation or stillness or prayer, it is so important to note that this is your time to go on vacation from the horizontal. Mm. And I like saying it, that way because a lot of people meditate you know just to try to find a little bit of stillness from the horizontal but if you're not actually looking forward to it and saying i am taking a vacation from the horizontal right now 
the difficulty will be in connecting to the vertical when you're in meditation. So one of the first things that I always say, an empath or an intuitive or somebody that is awakening in their consciousness, if you do not have a meditation practice, you will struggle, especially when you have gone through an awakening, your consciousness is expanding, your spirit is expanding, things in your life are changing. If the kind of the floodgates of the vertical are flowing in and your ego and control is trying to push it out, it creates a lot of frustration or even tension in your being or a lot of confusion. Am I getting a message? Is this real? Is this a synchronicity? Or is this just a coincidence? And so you actually wind up almost feeling like there's a war going on between your mind and your spirit, Mm. where your spirit is saying, let's take this leap, let's explore, let's open things, let's breathe, let's be present. And your mind is like, I have to do my laundry. I have to figure out my taxes. And and so there's just this tension. And the problem when, when there's that tension between the mind that wants to do, that wants to be safe, And then your spirit that's saying, trust me, set this all free. Your heart is going to be the collateral damage. And so your heart doesn't know what master to serve. Whether your heart is going, you know, heart palpitations, I'm going to serve the, I'm going to be a servant to my mind that is stressed and wanting me to do all of these things, or whether your heart is going to be the servant to your spirit. And so that it creates a lot of complexity as more light is infiltrating your being if you're not if you don't have a practice where you are able to actually even if it's just for 10 minutes a day center yourself close your eyes and go home mm-hmm. i remind people that we really have the best of both worlds as human beings we get a horizontal life where we get to explore in a forest and share stories and cry and experience love and grief and the smorgasbord of it all. But we also can go home whenever we want to. Meaning when we come into that intersection where we tap in to the vertical. So I I refer to meditation less as meditation, and more is going home. Mm, I like that. It's just like ET phoning home for five minutes, ten minutes a day, and this can be this can happen any time during your day. If you're in a super stressful situation and people are disrespecting your boundaries, or you're just feeling murky and unclear, that is a huge warning sign from your discernment, your healthy integrated shadow saying, "Whoa." check in, come home. And what that does, it it allows you to anchor yourself in the present. And that will allow you when you're present, you're able to resolve things more. When you're present, it's able to see your needs better. It's able to, you're able to enforce boundaries in a more clear and consistent way. So the first thing is having a practice each day to go home, Okay, just to sit and to bask And when you're going home and you're just sitting, breathing, honoring simplicity and surrender, I would encourage you first, 
because this is what will activate some of your own psychic energies to create a sacred space. Okay. And note that I'm saying a sacred space, not a sacred place. While it is awesome to go on a rampage and buy crystals and buy an altar, that's nice. But the divine really doesn't care that much about that. They, can, they, they just want you. Mm. And so what I'm saying is to create a sacred space within yourself. This sacred space can be a place from your childhood that felt like home. It can be a space in nature. Maybe, maybe your spirit or maybe your guides will reveal the sacred space to you. I love For me, this. Yeah. when I was practicing, you know, when I was very early, not like nine years old, 10 years old to even be able, you know, I didn't have teachers. It was in the eighties. This wasn't like there were, you know, yoga studios everywhere. And so I was self-taught. And so what I had to do very early on by the time I was like eight, nine years old was to create a sacred space. And the sacred space was just a space in front of a stream. I liked that because it created a barrier between me and spirit. So when I was early in my process of growing in my mediumship and, and understanding what was happening to me, I would sit on one side of the stream, looking to the other side of the stream. I would call in the light. I would just feel the presence of the light surrounding me, kind of just open a little bit of a portal within myself, almost like a doorway or a little orb igniting, opening within the center of your being near your heart. And then I would invite spirit to come towards me and spirit would come towards me from the other side of the stream so that I felt safe having that barrier. There is a little or that boundary so that I didn't feel like spirit was coming into me so that I could understand how to build my psychic library, how to perceive things, how to actually work with the realm or the space that is beyond how to receive uh, messages in an accurate way. So I did this early on. But your sacred space, this isn't about growing your mediumship or your psychic abilities. That's more of the icing. That's not the cake. Your sacred space is really your space to connect deeply to your own channel. And what can happen the more that you are building in this foundation of your sacred space is that all of a sudden, sometimes a guide comes forth. Mm. Sometimes you, there's a bird or there's a color as your third eye starts to open. Sometimes it's more of a feeling that comes. Sometimes it's more of a knowing. People very often think that intuition or channeling is just about seers, but there are three different types of intuitives. There are seers that see visions, that, that hear voices, that have clairsentience. But then there are also people, very powerful practitioners that are feelers, where it's not all of the colors and the visions, but they feel something very powerful around them, within them. Sometimes that translates into writing. I always say that the feelers are the healers, mm -hmm. because if you can feel something intuitively for yourself or another, 
you know just what to do in order to heal it. And then there are knowers. Knowers, I always feel a little bit sorry for because it's like this writing or these these knowings, these wisdoms just pour through them. You know, they're just writing in a journal and it's just transformational wisdoms, but they don't know where it comes from Uh because they don't get the visions and some of the feelings. And so very often knowers can kind of second guess themselves Mm. saying, am I channel? Am I just making this up? Am I channeling this? Who am I channeling? And really, it doesn't matter. It really you're, you're channeling the one consciousness, the one consciousness. That is it. It's flowing from you. It's emerging from you. And so in your sacred space, this is, once you develop it, this is the space that really is the home for you. And it's also kind of like on a little map when you put a little tack into a map. It's also a space on a consistent basis where spirit can find you. Because you don't want to have your channel open all day, every day, like going into a business meeting or going to the grocery store with a wide open channel. Right. <laughs> it's too much right, right. when those floodgates yeah. start to open. And so for me, my great grandmother was a very famous uh, medium, incredible abilities in the Netherlands. And she was also a Milner. She wore hats. So anytime that she would leave the house, she would put on a hat. And that was her way of saying, I'm, I'm not open right now. I need to go about my life right now. Spirit, don't bother me right now. I do something. I've developed something called office hours when it comes to spirit. Okay. Meaning there are certain portions of the day that my channel is open and other periods during the day where I'm like, you know, unless something's an emergency, I need to handle emails or my actual like physical life. So the sacred space, this is just a space to explore. It's a space of freedom. It's a space not to think, but daydreaming is welcome. And whatever needs to be revealed to you will be revealed to you. But what I see happen sometimes is that someone goes to their sacred space for approximately three days And they don't get the massive downloads and revelation. And all of a sudden, this doesn't work. I'm not an intuitive, you know, I'm I'm doing this wrong. Consistency is hugely, hugely important. Okay. Because not only do you need to trust consciousness and how it emerges through you, but the divine also needs to trust that you're going to be consistent. Mm. Not in getting everything right, but at least consistent in terms of being more present within your Mm. life. Obviously, diet is a big part of things to structure within your channel, but I am not one of those practitioners that is all puritanical, where it's like an hour of meditation in the morning, an hour of yoga, you know, eating hemp, going back to yoga, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm never, that's not, that was not Yeshua's way, even within his human life. He was not running around telling people what they were doing wrong and what it was that they were supposed to do. Right. And I have that, I've, I've been this way even before he birthed in my channel for many, many years. 
It's about what feels right for you in order for you to connect. And of course, we all have very different life structures. I will add two different things. Okay. (laughs) However, before I complete this course, nature, Mm. nature, Mm -hmm. whether it is mountains, trees, nature, as well as having the right teacher or person to guide you along the way, finding the right guide is so, so helpful. And this doesn't need to necessarily need to be someone that you pay. And we all, we, we shift very often within our lives, who it is that we're receiving wisdom from what ascended masters that we're working with. But if there is someone that you find that you really, really trust, you feel their integrity and humility and originality, working with someone who does understand, who has been practicing for a long time, that works very deeply with the vertical and spirit, so important. It's not a must have, but it is really, really important, especially if you would like to accelerate your process or if you're feeling the possibility that you are meant to serve Mm. as not only a light holder, but also in vertical service to the divine. So as a healer or a speaker that is genuinely helping others to transform in their, in their consciousness. And then the third thing that I will say, (laughs) community, Yes, having a core group of people that you can discuss things with, a group of people, a community where there is non-judgment, where there are people in all sorts of different tears of consciousness or going through different things within their life. But having that, it means that not only is your spider, your mind, heart, spirit, physical body, not only are you getting your spider in order to serve as a vessel for the emergence of deeper light, deeper consciousness on this earth, but you also have a web Yes. A web of people that when, I always say no spider down, but when your spider is having a, when you are the spider that is having a really, really bad day, it helps to have another spider Mm. connected to your web over here that is able to hold that light for you. And then when that spider is having the bad day, then you're the one that is holding the light and that support for Mm. them. We are moving into the age of Aquarius, which is all about community and co-creation. And I know that this is really bad news for a lot of folks that have been lone wolves or what I would call kind of like closet intuitives Uh that that have felt or known that there is something emerging or that there are certain gifts that you have, but don't want to talk about it, don't want to upset the apple cart. This is a time in which we need to be exploding this into the world. And by this, I'm not saying 
anything specific. I'm not just saying the freedom transmissions or whatever else. Reiki, yoga. We need to be exploding this transparency that it's okay to talk about these things, that it's okay to have our shadow. This last age was very much about martyrdom, about pushing down the shadow. And what that creates is burdens. Mm -hmm. It creates shame. Living in a prison with shame and burdens with no way to ever get that out. The Aquarian era is not all about the light. It is about the integration of the light into the shadow so that we can evolve, so that we can grow. And so this community... This community essence is such an important one. And by the way, community does not need to be a hundred people. Right. Community can be four people <clears throat> that you trust, that you can say anything to, and know that they will help to that they will aid love you, but also be honest with you. Yeah. That is very much the essence of the universal Christ. That is the essence of a good friend and someone that is a light holder that loves you. Because we all have moments when we're in a beautiful lie and, oh, my boss did this. And a good friend will remind you the kind of the ugly truth that you've been complaining about your boss for nine months and have still not done anything about it. I'm just using that one as an example with regards to the authenticity yes. of friendship, because of course that's, that is what the divine does for us. And as you've experienced, there are times that Yeshua is so loving, so holding, but there are other times where he will rip the bandaid off and be very, very honest about things that can be a little bit difficult to hear or chide with certain beliefs or ideologies, but that ultimately set you free. That's right. Yes. We've delved into many different tangents and talking about the structure of one's day, but community, connection to nature, having, having the ability to drop back in, to drop home, to phone home, to create a sacred space within yourself so that you actually have a container to hold the light. Mm. Those are all some of the things that are so simple yet can shift the entire, your entire perception of life. Yes. And I was just going to say they are so simple and so powerful too And I love the way that you framed meditation. It could just be five minutes, 10 minutes, and creating your own personal sacred space. How you mentioned perhaps you are envisioning something from your childhood or your example when you were younger with the river. I mean, that's so beautiful. Some people might even want to adopt that as their own sacred space because it's such a, a beautiful image. Sure, I'll I'll come meet yeah. you there. We'll have a big party. <laughs> exactly. <on the laughs> yeah, I'm going to meet you there. And community, a hundred percent. And you know, before I discovered 
this community with the freedom transmissions, I had been thinking about this maybe for about a year, how much I truly wanted to find people who had a similar interest in spiritual development, personal development, yet also, and this is what my journey sisters and I talk about, we can also be silly and we can laugh at stuff. Maybe we swear. And then we also... (laughs) go deep into this world, and it's extremely um, meaningful to us. And so to find people, and again, you said it doesn't have to be a huge community, just to find people that are walking a similar path. We can't all walk the same path, of course, but just walking a similar path is so important and also beautiful and fun and it's available. It's available for all of us if we just open our hearts to sure. it. Yeah. Yes. And I, do, I don't want this to sound judgmental. I'm just sharing this because I, I feel that it may be helpful mm. for some of your listeners that are maybe exploring all sorts of different things right now or just beginning their process of um, summoning the courage or the interest to explore certain things. Um, If you are entering some form of a new community, say even just exploring a new yoga studio, but this doesn't just have to be vertical things. This can be horizontal things as well. A knitting club, a book circle, a Zumba class. (laughs) One of the most helpful ways to be to enter that community is to first explore it without committing to it Mm. meaning that sometimes we feel like we need to commit to something right away and that's a big no-no because especially when it comes to spiritual communities there is well, there has always been, but even nowadays, there there's a little bit of a, pol- a pollution <laughs> in, the, in the spiritual space that has created a lot of harm along the way, meaning keep your eyes open, not just for the practitioner, but also their community, and specifically communities that are rooted in hierarchies, meaning some people are practicing the, the, have been practicing for 10 years and you're just a novice. That's an example of communities of, with certain hierarchies where the facilitator is, or the guru is rewarding only the people that have been there the longest. And if there is any form of what I would say, not honest, but if there's any form of negativity, that you're feeling with people that are comparing themselves to one another, um, not being embracing of some of the new folks that are coming in. That is a really big warning sign. And also practitioners that bring about shame that where there's judgment that is there. And I don't mean a yoga, a yoga teacher saying, you know, you need to straighten your leg a little bit more, but when someone is starting to shame you 
for certain, those are foolproof ways to know that that is not the right community right. for you. Use discernment. So exploration yeah. without without commitment is important. And I just want to circle back to something that I forgot in our <laughs> half an hour discussion on how to work, how to hold the light and build that into a daily practice. Yeah. The one thing that I had forgotten to mention is how special for those of you that are moms and dads or aunts or caretakers or uncles, how special it is to introduce this to your children, especially those that are below the ages of 12 children. They are so attuned. Because, of course, children haven't taken on the density of their shadow yet. That happens more around the ages of 12 to 13 is when spiritually we start taking on more of our uh, density. We start um, formulating more of our ego. But children, especially very young ones, they're very present. They're very, very dropped in. And as a matter of fact, when things get too horizontal for a young child, they like it's like system malfunction. Like when a child has been too busy and is exhausted, they just can't handle, you know, temper tantrum city, they have to go to bed. (laughs) And so children are such amazing accountability partners when it comes to reminding us to come back to that origin. Children, they just want us to be present. (sighs) And that's what's so extraordinary. But I'm mentioning this because it can be really special to understand your child's sacred space. Mm. And this works in teenagers as well, even young adults who are in their 20s and kids that are in high school and college right now between technology and just the state of the world, they have they are they're so stressed. And so helping them to find a way to come home not to leave college and physically come home to you. As a matter of fact, having this practice will avoid them dropping out and coming back home. But for them to have a practice to drop in, to come home and to explore their sacred space, it is so magical. There was a young boy that I worked with. I'd worked with him for a couple of years and he lives in Abu Dhabi of all places. And he was one of the young children. I will sometimes, I will sometimes mentor young children. Well, I'll, I'll work with children always, but this was a specific case of someone like Nick McRae, uh, who you Mm -hmm. met, Lori, who just incredibly, incredibly special gifts. And this young boy, his name was Rambeer, had this incredible channel but he was afraid of it. And when there's fear that is brought in, spirit was trying to connect with him. The light was trying to connect to him, but it was filtered through his channel as fear. And so all of the the beautiful energy, the beautiful guides that were coming to him, he was afraid of it all. And so that the, the fear created this, this um, separation between himself and the light. And so we worked with him on creating a sacred space. And of course, I thought that it was going to be something maybe like a beach or, you know, maybe his grandma's house or something. 
and his sacred space, what, emer- what, what was revealed to him was the door of a temple. Oh. And as we grew and he explored this and it felt safe, he, he said, I feel like I've been here before. I know what this place is. And for the next couple of sessions, we worked on opening the door and entering the temple and what was there and what wasn't there. And it just allowed this incredible expansion of his sacred space to come. And it also helped him to create his sacred library. So I worked with him on creating a little bit of a table in this temple and looking what objects are on that temple, uh, that, that table, open a book on that table. What does it say? This kid, <laughs> I mean, it took me 20 years to develop my psychic library. Yeah. He would open the book and read full on passages of spiritual texts. Just, oh. just from his mind oh. within this temple. It was extraordinary. And so working with your children to, it can really help you to understand not only them, but also yourself mm. better. Oh, it's beautiful. Children, if there, there were certain things like snakes in the temple, he was afraid of the snakes in the temple. So we that gave me a lot of insight in terms of his fear on transformation, his fear on growing older and having to take responsibility within his life. That's where a lot of those fears were coming from. So this is, it's a very creative approach to understanding your child's perception of reality, as well as one of what some of their subconscious fears may be and what some some of their subconscious gifts. Maybe as well. Oh, it's beautiful, Carissa. It it's beautiful. Oh God, it's all of this. God, as we're talking, this all just makes me feel so happy inside. It makes me feel so happy to just like be on this path with you and others and 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 hopefully encouraging people if they want to or when they're ready to just start with what you said just start with a meditation of your going to your own sacred space something as simple as that or just walking out in nature like giving ourselves time in our day for this stillness for the simplicity um there's something so that's just so juicy and exciting about it and I love the work that you're doing and I and how you're showing up for people in your many different ways. Um, it's such a gift to so many people. And so I think that just one more question for you before we we hop off of this conversation, which, by the way, I could just keep talking and talking with you um, forever. forever. <laughs> I just, oh, forever. just, it's like a. We will do this again, okay. beloved. We we will we will do this again. I already feel that a twice a year yeah. would be like. I just I feel it in my bones. Again, I do these so rarely, but with you, it is. With you and Elise, mm. it is just such an extraordinary joy 
you know, and of course, while I do a lot of pro bono work and give a lot of scholarships, mm. there are certain people that physically may not be able to come to, to a journey or, you know, have just are in the space within their life that's it may not be possible for them. And I really love the possibility of maybe do, sharing these times together to maybe give folks some of the cliff notes yes. with regards to some of the transmission. A hundred percent. I am so on board with, with this, with all of it. So on board with it. Because it would be lovely for people who perhaps might not have the time or the means or whatever to come to a journey to still experience it in some way. Because it is just, it's sharing the light. It's its holding the light. It's sharing the light. Um, so my question, my last question to you is, if there's one thing that you hope people take away from this conversation, and it can either be something that we've touched upon or maybe even haven't brought up yet, what what would that be for you? What do you want people to leave this conversation holding in their heart or having heard or something to contemplate? What would that be? Firstly, I would deeply like to invite those that are listening to listen to Yeshua's most recent transmission from October 12th. This was five days after the events in Israel occurred. And I can't, there are too many, there are too many aspects of this transmission for me to be able to summarize right now. And so I'm mentioning this because it is the only transmission that I have allowed to be hosted publicly online. It is on Elise Lonin's podcast, Pulling the Thread, from October 12th. Listeners that may actually want to hear a Yeshua transmission and a, and a recent one, the Freedom Transmissions, was of course, it was the foundation, but it was from 2020. So listeners that may want to learn a little bit more or those of you that are experiencing um, a lot of grief right now or frustration surrounding the state of the world and some of the events that are taking place as we move through this era shift mm -hmm. that specific transmission it's under the category on elisa's podcast air the grievances not the gri grievances <laughs> and um it is it is delicious it is mother's milk with regards to helping to instill a sense of peace and a sense of hope. The Freedom Transmissions is, of course, something that I pray many of you will find your way to because Yeshua in the Freedom Transmissions, he's speaking directly to you. So I can, I can answer this question, <laughs> Lori, yeah. but I wanted to mention that the specialness, I, I, I feel like I'm just the secretary for spirit uh. in this life. Like, that's it. I'm just the secretary. I'm not special. I was born with a weird brain. I won't go into <laughs> the neuroscience of it. But I want to impart to the listeners how special it is to experience this personal 
relationship with the one consciousness or the transcendent, eminent, and emergent light. With regards to what I wish to share, we are moving into a cycle on our planet in which we deeply, in order to move into this new era, the era of Christ consciousness, the era of masculine and feminine balance, the era of transparency, the era of co-creation. As we are moving into this new era, one of the great mantras to carry with you and your heart is be the moral, not the story. You, as a light holder, you are the moral. Many, many people get very stuck in the story. The story of their shame, the story of their unworthiness, the story of their disempowerment, the story of who is to blame for all of their issues. The story, when you become attached to the story, you can never connect to the moral. And that doesn't mean that the story doesn't matter. Of course, there's the story of your life and all those that you loved and all of these experiences that have evolved you and grown you into this incredible vessel of love, of light, of peace, of kindness. Kindness that you are. The light is the moral. Be the moral, not the story. The divine elder is attached to nothing but connected to all. When you are connected to the vertical, when you are living from the moral, the resurrection, instead of the void, the death, the story, you are operating from a completely different power system. The power of the divine light that is not just beyond you, that is not just all around you, but actually is emerging from within you, that is power. The power of peace, the power of acceptance, power of joy. How powerful is joy? I've said this before, but in those moments that you're having an argument and everybody's yelling and then somebody farts <laughs> and you just all start laughing, <laughs> the power of the joy and the humility completely outpowers the hatred and the fear and the blame all sorts of people attached to the story and their self-righteousness and I'm right and you're wrong. Joy is so powerful. It explodes that. Grief is sacred. Grief is powerful. It cleanses you so that you can resurrect. So for those of you that are in a period of void or tomb or emptying out, 
And for those of you that are in the sanctification, that you're ready for a change, you feel it coming, but you don't know exactly what it's going to be, surrender. Mm. The power of the light is your power source. It regenerates. You are one with it. The divine is not just asking us to worship a transcendent God or to look around for all the eminent God, the signs. Where are the signs? I didn't see a hawk today. I didn't see 1111 on the clock. The divine has betrayed me. <laughs> I'm not feeling my, my late grandmother today. What's happening? The eminence is fine, but what we are asked, what we, what is being asked of us for all those having who have incarnated on the planet at this time, what is being asked of us is to allow for the emergence of the light. Meaning there's no gurus, people coming to be our saviors. Like the Hopi have said, we are the ones that we have been waiting for. So just because others have, just because you've had difficulty or faced judgment within your life, do not abdicate responsibility for this, for your power, for your love, for your presence in this life. It is sacred. It is needed. And I am so grateful to each and every one of you who are still listening <laughs> for being what you are, embodying what you do, and holding the light for this special, special planet mm. that we call home. For now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Carissa, beautiful. So beautiful. So inspiring. So loving. So light filled. Um, I'm so grateful. I'm just, my heart is so full of gratitude right now for you and for, and for discovering you and uh, or finding you I should say I mean I, I didn't discover you obviously just for finding you into <laughs> into being a part of this world it's it's really it's really beautiful it is just beautiful and it's peaceful and it is exciting and it's life uh, th this work is just so full of life that I wish it upon everyone or anyone who is ready or willing or interested in in um and just digging in more into this this work that that you do. Thank you so much. That we do, beloved. Ah. <laughs> that we we do. Yes, yes. <laughs> that we are. Yes. We we do it, but we we're able to do it because we are. Yes. So yes. I'm adding the we ah, into. <laughs> you're so good. I love it. You are such a light holder, and 
I am so excited to continue on this path together and have you back on this podcast to share and to inspire and to hold the light, hold the light for all the light holders in the world. And I just wish to take a moment to let your listeners know that Lori, Lori's courage in creating this podcast is, it is extraordinary hearing your voice, Lori, and how this flows. From March to now, your voice has changed. Mm. The emergence is so palpable. So what you've created is, it took a lot of faith and a lot of courage to create this extraordinary vehicle and vessel for service that all of us can tune into. And so I just wanted to say thank you to you because we and all those that will experience transformation through this, we see you we understand and we have so much respect and gratitude for what you have created. Oh, thank you, dear Carissa. You are such a light. And I'm so delighted by this entire conversation and time with you. And just express my deep gratitude for you. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> To learn more about Carissa, visit her website, thespirittransmissions.com. There you can find out about her journeys, her book, The Freedom Transmissions, and other work that Carissa offers. She's not on social media, so this is the best place to discover more about her. If you're able to attend one of her journeys, I highly recommend it. You don't necessarily have to read The Freedom Transmissions to go, but it is helpful to understand this energy and how to hold it and work with it when you're on a journey. It'll prepare you to receive more because you'll know what to expect. However, if you're not able to attend one in person, keep an eye on this space as many of us will continue to share this work. As Carissa mentioned, she shared one of Yeshua's transmissions publicly on Elise Lunin's podcast called Pulling the Thread on October 12th. So you can listen to that anytime. I will link to it in the show notes. At the very least, read the Freedom Transmissions. As Carissa says, Yeshua is speaking directly to you in this book. So if you feel called to pick it up, even if you're slightly curious, it's meant for you right now. Just do it. I've written about the Freedom Transmissions on my Substack newsletter, which you can find at lauriegrossman.substack.com to learn more. As Carissa has said, the wisdom of these transmissions and the journeys are not just for some people. They're for all people. And my hope personally is that through this community, we'll encourage each other to make more space for the expansion of our consciousness and to create more room for our spirit. Thanks all. Keep holding the light. Thank you for listening to Hold the Light. For more information about this episode and the topics discussed, visit our show notes or find more at holdthelightcollective.com or on Instagram at holdthelightcollective. This podcast is produced by me, Lori Gunning Grossman. Jonathan Grossman is our co-producer and all-around sound guru. 
He also wrote the original music. This podcast is recorded and mixed at Night Shift Audio in Los Angeles, California. Finally, if you like the show, please rate, review, and share it with a friend. Let's share the light with each other.